0: and welcome to another episode of the RN Mentor Podcast. Uh, Today, I have the very special honor of bringing you an incredible uh, nurse leader and innovator. I think you're going to love uh, uh, what she's going to share with us. A quick uh, bio on my guest today, as seen on CBS uh, Evening News with Katie Couric, Dr. Charmaine Lawson is a nationally recognized and award-winning nurse practitioner in New Orleans, uh, Louisiana. Uh, she is a fellow of the American Academy of Nursing, a fellow of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, winner of the 2013 Healthcare Hero Award uh, and New Orleans City Business Magazine Award, uh, and 2008 Entrepreneur of the Year Award from Advanced for Nurses. Uh, Advanced for Nurse Practitioner uh, Magazine, where she is featured on the magazine cover. She is also the author of the the very first advanced practice nurse children's book series entitled NOLA the Nurse, which I'm very excited to talk to her about. Mm -hmm. This series exposes children uh, from ages four to eight to the world of advanced practice nursing and fosters cultural sensitivity with the multi-ethnic character adventures through different countries. Thank you, and and hello to you, uh, Dr. Lawson. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Hello from NOLA. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm very, ta- I have two little girls, and I have to say, uh, I'm very excited to talk to you about how that whole thing came about, uh, and and we'll get to that uh, during our podcast today. Um, so, uh, so, uh, This is actually very exciting for me because this is uh, usually when I talk to individuals, it's very much uh, sometimes ends up being research, clinical, things like this. So NOLA is a very different uh, thing. And I have a little bit of artsy side to me. So that's why uh, uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about that. But before we get to NOLA, uh, I I always like to, like I mentioned uh, in all my podcasts, I always like to start talking about uh, my guests and their Um, journey into the world of nursing. Uh, So uh, how did you decide nursing was the pathway for you? And how did that journey start?
1: Sure, that's a a great question. And and I just have to be honest with you, I wasn't one of those little girls who is just saying, Oh, you know, I want to be a nurse when I grow up. That's what I want to do. So I'm going to do it. I I just didn't start out like that. Ironically, I wanted to be a musician and I played music for most of my life. I played the trumpet. I was team brass all of my life. And that's something I, I thought that I wanted to do. But I also took an interest in the sciences and especially nursing. And I was fortunate in that the high school I was going to at the time had a CNA program for um, seniors and juniors and seniors who would be interested in nursing you know you could go and you could get a um, nursing assistant certified nursing assistant certificate and you know hopefully you know once you graduate you would have your certificate and that you know in turn would introduce you into the field of nursing and so I said well you know I'm interested in science and, I, and I, I think that nursing is something that I'd want to do. So while I was playing in the band, I, of course, multitasking young as I was in high school, <laughs> I said, um, you know, let me try nursing, too. And what do you know, nursing, it has a way of taking over everything in your life. So I had to eventually quit the band because I had fallen in love with nursing and the patients that I met and and the senior nursing staff that I met at the time just sort of encouraged me to continue seeking out, um, getting into nursing and to see what it was about. So eventually after becoming a CNA, after high school, I enrolled and got accepted into Dillard University here in New Orleans and into their BSN program. And that was just sort of where it all started. Um, what sort of sparked the germ of, of nursing in my, in my soul and my blood. And once I got into it, I said, Oh my, this is, this is perfect for someone who's type A, <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> like, I can, I can be every kind of nurse ever, ever, <laughs> you know, I can do everything. And literally, if you look at the trajectory of my career, I've, I've worked in, Oh gosh, just about everything, and and it's been an extremely rewarding ride that that I wouldn't change for the world, and I would totally encourage anyone who's interested in um, diversity of you know profession or diversity of you know just freedom to be in a profession, whereas you can just go in any 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 little niche and still offer care. It's it's unbelievable.
0: That's fantastic. Um, uh, now you, you mentioned, um, uh, a high school program and, uh, one of the, and this is just a sort of a thought in the back of my head right now, as you were talking, uh, we, uh, like at the university that I'm teaching, um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, even though we're in LA, uh, we do not have a huge, uh, number of, uh, black students that mm-hmm. come into the profession of nursing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, how was that how did how is the fact that there's a, a high school program that actually brought you in? I think it's a fantastic idea and something I've been playing around with the thought with of how do we get to uh, the, the how do we get to the community before they come into the university so we pique that interest. And I think that's one of the Beauties of I think Nola again mm-hmm. bringing that up, <laughs> uh, but how do we get that interest in the in the community? Because this has come up in a few of my podcasts where we talk about diversity mm-hmm. in nursing, and nursing is not necessarily representative of the communities we serve. Correct. So how does that happen? How does uh, what what's your opinion on how do we get that interest in the young diverse uh, pop, population? Uh, um, and have them come into yeah. the world of it.
1: Absolutely. And, and and definitely having a high school program uh, similar to the one I went through is, is certainly a, an, an excellent way to start for the high school students. Um, you know, the program that I was in, we actually went to a totally different facility twice a week. We would go to a facility off-site away from campus that was a, it was basically a lab, a a learning nursing lab, if you will. And we had, you know, the mannequins there. We were able to learn blood pressure. We we got introduced to venipuncture. We got introduced to charting, um, introduced to just basic communication skills. And it was, just really a phenomenal experience. And, and and we, it was sort of two-step. We, your few weeks, you got introduced to the basics as vital signs. And then after that, we went um, with the teachers or the nursing instructors to um, clinical sites in nursing homes and hospitals. And we got to do, you know, just like the candy striper type work, you know, i telling my age there, I say candy striper, but you know what I mean? You know, we, we got to do um, those little things that, that really sort of what, you know, spark the germ in anyone to consider nursing, because you get a chance to actually see what it's like to have caring in action. And a lot of times it's, you think of nursing, you think, oh, 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 it's 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 all about, especially when you're on advanced practice level like myself. You know, some of them will say now that they've arrived, oh, it's all about you know nurse practitioners and we need full practice authority and you know we need to prescribe and you know assess, diagnose and treat, and you know I would like to say let's take it back and and remember that caring begins at the bedside. And it's something as simple as, you know, filling a pitcher of water, no ice, you know, or, you know, getting someone a bedpan or giving a back rub, you know, giving those great, you know, massages after bed bath, you know, just, you know, turn Q2, you know, that's, that's where it all starts. and, And everything else just just grows from there, you know, you're willingness to be a nurse and in this profession should really begin with care and care begins at the bedside. That's where it starts. That's where we are. And and, and that's where, if if we can bring that to the inner city youth and, and let them know that, yes, there are higher levels to this, but if we can get them to see that care begins very simply, you know, with, how are you today? My name is, you know, Anne, or my name is Bob. My name is Robert. My name is Malik, whatever your name is. And, you know, I'd love to help you today. Is there anything I can do for you? It starts there and teaching them how to have these simple interactions with patients who are vulnerable and, and who may not want to speak back to them and and that's okay. And it's part of communication with someone who's healing and hurting and, and it's OK. You know, it's don't take offense to it, but learn how to communicate with others who are in pain. And of course, NOLA, the nurse, you need to even take it a little further and catch them younger and say, you know, baby, baby, sweetheart, a four year old. Can you at least say nurse practitioner? You know, can we get a part of the conversation going? Yeah. You want to be a doctor? Yeah. I want to be a lawyer. But I need you to start saying CRNA, I need <laughs> to say, you know, nurse practitioner, you know, and start, let's start the dialogue. And that's what the whole premise of the NOLA, the nurse series was about is that, you know, let's, let's get the conversation going, you know, because when I was looking for books for my daughter, who was a baby at the time, I, I said, well, you know, let me find something, you know, that talks about what mommy does. And there was nothing out there that even discussed the role of the advanced practice nurse period, nothing. And then me always pushing envelopes said, well, let me find someone who has some melanin, you know, that, um, you know, she can see. And unfortunately there was nothing there, not only in kid lit, but just period about the nursing profession in, in general. So I said, well, you know, as a nurse, we, we fix things, we're fixers, right? So we've got to fix this. And, and that's how it all started. The whole NOLA, the nurse brand. That's how we started now five years, five years ago.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, a, a, and uh, d- before we get into NOLA, uh, you, mm-hmm. you sparked a couple of things in my head that I, I, I want to talk to you about. And literature is definitely one of them, that there is an underrepresentation. Just the fact that uh, my uh, I have a, a nine and 11-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Uh, I was, I was getting excited when they would find a a doll that isn't white and they were excited about playing with it and those kinds of things. And I think it's so important to introduce them to uh, uh, like the first elementary schools they went to. uh, My wife is a teacher and she was in a diverse population Uh, elementary school. She teaches uh, um, children with autism and she was in a very diverse, uh, low income school. uh, And we didn't send our kids to the local school. We sent them to that school. So they have, because our school is Uh, is that our local school is more white. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, We
0: wanted to make sure that they have exposure to different people and different cultures. And um, so we sent them to my wife's school just to introduce Mm -hmm. them to, to, you know, difference. Right. Uh, I think it's very important to have that representation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, Let's talk about NOLA as you brought it up. So five years ago, uh, it started as more of a need, I would say, um uh, so uh talk to us about nola how did nola uh grow to become this uh, uh yeah <laughs> i don't i don't want to call it a product because it's. i think it's more than a product
1: yeah yeah sure absolutely I would, well you could say it's a product with a purpose let's just say that but um so it started in, in yeah in, in 2015 and and that's when actually I, I published the first book i had been began writing them you know long before then my daughter is now 10 But when she was a baby, I began looking for books to just sort of talk about just in any way about what I did as a nurse practitioner, because I wanted her to just begin to see what I did. You know, kids are visual. They, you know, they look and learn, you know, through reading and and through doing activities. And so I said, well, let me just look for something. And so I began my search, the usual places, you know, Barnes and Noble, you know, and start searching online, Amazon. And, and I just really could not find anything that, was written on the children's level at the then she was baby. So, you know, on, on the level, low enough, whereas it just began the conversation about the other viable members of the healthcare team, which are your APNs. It's not just nurse practitioners, of course. We have the midwives, we have, you know, CRNAs, you know, and CNSs in and, and some places. So, you know, it just didn't exist. And so that was one reason I wrote it because I wanted it to exist. But the it was twofold in that I also realized the shortage of um, multicultural aspect in, in kid lit and children's literature, um, not just with, you know, African-American children, but just, you know, children of color in general weren't, weren't, were just underrepresented in all of the books that I saw. And so I said, well, you know, I'm definitely going to make NOLA, you know, she's going to be African-American. And NOLA, of course, is short for New Orleans, Louisiana, which is where it started, right? For those who are confused about NOLA. So <laughs> NOLA, NOLA, the nurse, which is an acronym for New Orleans, Louisiana. And I get a lot of questions about now, address this now is why, you know, since it's about APN. Well, you know, it's like NOLA the nurse and it's just say NOLA the nurse practitioner and it should say it's okay. 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 Let's let's clear the air right now for everyone who has something to contribute. All right. To my to my narrative. Right. So I'm going to straighten it out for you. All right. So, you know, it was really more or less a um, marketing move, if you will. Um, NOLA the nurse practitioner to me was just a little more um, restrictive as to, okay, this is, you know, everybody who gets this book, yeah, it's all about nurse practitioners, just, and, and that's this, just it. Whereas the book is not just about nurse practitioners, it's about all APNs, you know, CRNAs, we, we have, you know, Maddie, the midwife, we have Baxter the nurse, who's actually a nurse practitioner in training. And, and so I said, we need a global name. So all APNs are what, at the very root, we're nurses. Right, so one, we are nurses. So let's let's understand this, okay? So you can may you may be at a doctor level now, but at the end of the day, you are nurse, okay? All right, and and, you know the other part was that you know I it was it was a calculating thing because I wanted the driver to be that people who picked up the book to realize after they've read a few stories and purchased a few more books, they realize that oh. This is a story about a little girl who wants to not only be a nurse, but she wants to be a nurse practitioner. Right? Right. right. So it's a type of nurse. So she not only wants to just be a nurse, she wants to just she wants to be a nurse practitioner like her mom. And what she does is she goes out and visits patients with her mom who is a nurse practitioner who has a house call practice. Yeah, I know, original, very original. You know, but she has a house call practice. And so she goes with her and learns how to care for sick patients. Of course, Nola, who's seven, she's, she can't take care of the patients on her own and, and do that. So she decides, well, I'm gonna just go out in the community and take care of my friends and, and they're sick baby dolls. They have sick baby dolls. I you know, I'm just gonna practice on them. And so what she does and what I found to be fascinating, if I must say so myself, is that when you go to someone's home, you you learn and discover a culture. Each home has a culture. And you have to respect that culture when you go into a home in any way. You have to take off shoes. These days, you need to wash your hands. You need to wear a mask in most homes, you know, whatever it is. But the point is, it's a culture. And so I created in each story a different culture for Nola to visit when she goes to a home. So the first culture is Kenya and she gets to learn about, you know, of course what nurse practitioners do, but she also gets to eat a meal from Kenya. It's called matoki. So each each book has a culture that Nola visits in these homes and they get to eat a meal from that particular culture why because eating is universal it's social we love it you go to somebody's home especially here in the south i can speak for the southerners you go to their home and they say honey let me get you some red beans and rice you you want some gumbo you know they they, they want to feed you and it's 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 very social so and, and it's part of love as well because as a healthcare provider if you're going to the homes you become family and they say, honey, listen down and have some beignets before we start talking about my blood pressure. We need to eat, drink some coffee, uh, you know, whatever, right? And that's how it is. So in the spirit of you know reality and, and how it is to visit a home, I said it's very appropriate to have them finish a meal at the end of each story. and then I just provided the recipes for these meals. It just says Lanyap just so you know people can say, oh, it's fancy, you know it's just just a little recipe of you know matoki at the end. But the point is to you know introduce children to the world of advanced practice nursing and also foster cultural sensitivity simultaneously.
0: Oh, that that is that is very insightful uh, on your part because I think uh, just the idea of uh, you're introducing so much uh, at, at such a young age, uh, I think I think is uh, extremely uh, uh, extremely beneficial. Um, for you know I think some grown-ups could probably uh read some of your books as well and and learn something. Um uh, now now I know you uh, Nola does this house visit thing which is also something that you do. Uh so I don't want people I want everybody to know that the house the house call thing isn't uh isn't this abstract idea but you actually do this. Yeah. How's that yeah. experience? How did you get involved with that? Because that's yeah. not that's how a most people. You know, when they think nurse practitioner, I'm going to work in a clinic. I'm going to work yeah. in a hospital. Whatever. Uh, how did how did this how did this uh, piece uh, come about? How did you get involved with
1: that? Yeah, sure. And 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 I like to say that there there really is is no accident. Things don't just. You know, miraculously, oh, this is, you know, just by chance. I don't believe in coincidences. Um, I'd just like to say that most of my life I've worked, as you heard me say earlier, in just about every specialty in nursing. And home health was a part of it in in my history. When I lived in D.C. at the time, I worked with the Visiting Nurses Association, Association. and I did that and, and loved it. So home health was always my background. Now, let's fast forward to 2003, 2004. I was an NP just just regular working you know at a clinic local clinic here in New Orleans and a physician approached me and said that she was going to be retiring and she said I have a house call practice and you know, if you're interested, you know, I'm happy to, you know, transfer the care to you. I've spoken with the patients and I'll be your collaborator. And so the first thing out of my mouth was what you mean? Like Marcus Welby again, I'm, I'm, I'm aging myself, (laughs) but that was my thing. I was like, what do you mean? House calls? Like, cause you know, again, I had done home health as a nurse, but never as a nurse practitioner. So the idea was, was so intriguing to me. I said, Oh, wow. So I really get to do holistic care, like everything in the home oh yeah, sign me up. Right. And so, um, I, um, I did, I started doing it for a few months with, with her 15 patients. And then by the time I'd say I started it officially in March of 2005 with getting my LLC and, you know, real bank account and that sort of thing. And so that was March of 2005. But while, by the time August of 2005 came around, that 15 patients grew from 15 to 100. So I knew then that there was a need in the community. I was going out into the rural areas of Louisiana, providing primary care to many, many citizens who were, in many cases, bed bound. So they're not just homebound, but they were bed bound. And little did I know that I had, at that time, had started the first NP-owned house call practice in the state of Louisiana. Had no idea of what I was doing. You know, I didn't, and that's how most things happen. You don't realize that you are birthing a dream or you are, you know, doing something something really, really spectacular, you know, right at the time, you're just saying, you know what, I want to meet a need, you know, I want to help my community, and, and I want to improve healthcare accessibility. And those were my goals. I said, I want to in- improve, you know, access to health care. I want to get some good outcomes from this community. And, and more importantly, I just want to make sure that um, as many people in this community receive the care who need it and, and who deserve it. And who more importantly, who are not able to get it. Let's make that happen.
0: That's great. Um, and this this sort of comes from my own ignorance. I don't have this part memorized. So is uh, New Orleans or, or is Louisiana, uh, is it a full practice state?
1: And I need to say unequivocally, no, no, okay. no, <laughs> and no. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, just look at the map. Um, just in general, and I kind of study the map at least weekly, if not monthly. And in that, you know, unfortunately, most of the states that are southern are are not FPA. And and that's that's unfortunate, but that's just how it is. I'm longing for the day, and I do believe I'll be alive when when we do, you know, get FPA. But as for now, we are a yellow state, which is good. We're not red; we're yellow, meaning that we are collaborative. We have to have a collaborating physician in order to practice. Yes, there are hurdles to getting one, and it's it's frustrating, you know, but. What are you going to do? We all can't move out of Louisiana, right? <laughs> so we work with it, and and we find, you know, very good collaborating physicians who are committed to the mission and who are willing to work with us. So it it, it it's working.
0: That, that's great. Uh, I'm I'm in California, and we're mm-hmm. definitely not anywhere near where we need to be. So. Mm-hmm. Um. Moving to California isn't going to help anyone with full practice either, uh, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate because you know uh, while we're recording this, we are in the middle of a pandemic, and yes. uh, and I know that some of those practice uh, uh, barriers have loosened up. Know but know th- there's talk again about tightening those up again, uh, which absolutely makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, none at all. Um, so uh, th- this this house call piece was definitely. Uh, I always imagine when people talk say house calls. I remember. I imagine the uh, the leather, the small leather bags with this. No, I have guy. one. Ah, see, there you go. I was going to ask do you I have one.
1: I, I do, and I, and, you know, I I never use it. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let's just be real. Let me just be real transparent with that. I I never use it. I, it's just something that. I just had to have a, since, you know, I have to have a little black bag, you know? So I think I've used it maybe once or twice. So my, my usual is a backpack, you know, I have a backpack and, or a messenger bag and just very few essentials inside those, one of those two bags. And, and, and that's, that's kind of how, how it works. And because if you look at the actual little black bag, you can't fit a laptop in there. So, you know.
0: It's for the <laughs> nostalgia of having one, right? Right, it, it, it's it really, really is.
1: And you know, photo ops. You know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. exactly. That's that's great. Thank you. Um, now, uh, I I wanted to talk about a little bit about how you got into advanced practice. Uh, we kind of uh, I went a little backwards, but uh, how did you get? Have, what was your motivation into getting into advanced practice?
1: Yeah. Sure. So um, let's go back to when we talked initially early on when I said I always wanted to be a musician. So I'm just going to say this now and broadcast it across all the airways wherever you're going to be producing this. Yes, initially I wanted to be a musician and I never lost that dream, right? Never did. So um, my most of you all know my grandmother raised me and um, when she passed, that was in 1996. And so I said, you know what? I, I think now um, that I no longer am, you know, head of household, so to speak, I don't really have someone who's depending on me. I said, you know, maybe now I can go and be a musician. Hmm. Let me see. Let me see. Right, because. I can, I can live off of peanut butter, you know, but if you're trying to support somebody, it's like, no, they need real food. So I said, you know, I can go and be a starving musician, so to speak. And, you know, move to Nashville. That's how I wound up at Tennessee state. It's like, I'm going to move to Nashville and I'm going to be a musician. So I moved to Nashville and you know, had me a little band and I said, you know, okay, this is, this will work until I started to have to pay studio time and, you know, some other things and we had no record. And I said, well, Listen, I'm going to stick with what I really know. So (laughs) at the time, somebody um, that I was um, hanging out with, he was saying, He said, You know, why don't you think about, you know, being a CRNA because I was working on level one trauma at Vandy. And I said, Oh, okay. You know, and that's the thing about listening to someone else's dream. You know, you have to have a dream within you and know yourself and know what you really want. And so I considered going back for CRNA. And so I worked level one trauma, did the ER, it, whole thing. And then I realized that just taking a really introspective look at my personality, I was more of the type of person, whereas I needed to be out and about, you know, with, with working. I love again, back to home health, right there, there, are tie-ins all over my life and your life as well, if you think about it. So I said, you know, I like being out. I like really, um, the uncertainty, of course, the adrenaline of, of ER and, and, and the trauma. But overall, I'm not a, the type of person who really wants to work 12 hours all day, every day and stand on my feet. I'd like to have some mobility with what I do and, 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 and with the care that I deliver. So that's when I started looking at um, being a nurse practitioner. And I shadowed a nurse practitioner and saw how she worked at a community clinic, a local FQHC in the area. And I really, really loved it because it was just so freeing. And, and and I liked how she took care of, you know, a two week old all the way up to, you know, her oldest patient was 106. And it was just amazing. And, and it was just, it, it, it was me. So again, when you're trying to decide, you know, between different specialties, you really have to look at what's your personality and and, and what you like. And, and I found that that environment just suited me well. So I signed up took some classes at Vandy, but later decided on Tennessee state because Tennessee state university was offering scholarships at the time for minorities. They had gotten a big um, title eight grant or something. And so I enrolled, got the scholarship, got my master's paid for, which was score. Great. So I did that. And um, once I finished, You know what it means to miss New Orleans, honey. I moved back to New Orleans because the city just calls you forever. Just you can't get away from it. (laughs) One of those things, anybody who is from New Orleans, you know, it's like, oh, stop calling me, stop calling me. You know, but I had to come back. So I moved back in 2000, you know, started working as an NP, and like most nurses, Honey, we will go to school forever. We will have all kinds of certifications and all kinds of little notes that tells us we, you know, have this type of masters. We have everything, right? And so, in two thousand eight, I said, "Well, I got to get this DNP." You know, everybody's calling me doctor anyway. So, I, what 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 is everybody talking about? And you telling me I don't have to do research, really? So I don't have to go to <laughs> be a PhD, but I can be a doctor and still, you know, con- conduct some research, have a scholarly project, and you know, I can do, you know, make, maybe improve some outcomes on my own. And, and, you know, just, I love the whole scope and the premise behind the DNP. So I said, look, I got to get that. And so that's when I went back and, you know, did the DNP at Chatham university. And, um, then just kind of, again, here we go again, you know, how nurses are, we got to get more paper, more, more stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm prescribing and treating, you know, family practice every day, but then it becomes, Oh my God, I'm treating or having to treat so many patients who have psychiatric disorders simply because of the shortage. So I said, listen, I got to go back and get the certification. So here I am again, <laughs> you know, here I am again today, you know, working on my postmaster's um, psychiatric certification. And I'll be done with that in about two more semesters next year.
0: Wow. So, that's amazing. There you go. Uh, it's, it's uh, I want to say it's almost addictive. Um, uh, uh to so I think there's some of us out there that are just addicted to school and yeah. you would never guess that looking at me in high school. Um
1: right, oh, right. I, right. I, <laughs> I, know, but, what I yeah. know what you mean. I know what you mean.
0: I did not I did not enjoy school at all. Uh but you know um but I keep going back and actually um I, I was uh, uh I'm sure you know Dr. Macklemore, Her and I were t- her and I were talking uh on a podcast and I and I had to confess I was like uh, I, I was talking to my wife about I'm thinking about going back for my master's in public health. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so it's one of those things that's, you know, you're like, Oh, there's a piece of knowledge that is missing from my, uh, from my tool belt. And then I'm like, uh-huh. oh, I need to go back for this. And so.
1: And uh, you will use it. I know you will.
0: Right. I mean, it is it, sort of a necessity, but like, there's a drive to do it. Like it's a piece of thing because I need that piece. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like having a puzzle, but that piece, but missing a piece. So okay. you need to go and find that piece, and I think mm-hmm. that's what uh, schooling or certifications and those kinds of things kind of kind of fill. Uh, and I always want to. I always tell people because people say, "Why did you go back for your PhD?" And um, uh, another thing that's come up in a few conversations, and I always say, uh, "Well, initially it was really the the IOM report on the future nursing report, mm-hmm. right i mm-hmm. I read it and I said, uh, "We need this many ner- more nurses that are doctorally yeah. prepared." I'm like, "Hey, I mm-hmm. could do that, right? Like, like I yeah. could be one of those people that contributes to uh, to this report." Um, and also, I didn't, I didn't want to ever be in a position where my degree was my limitation, or the piece of knowledge I needed was my limitation. Now that I have the PhD, I'm looking at other things, other work that I'm. Doing, I'm like, well, this really falls into public health, uh-huh. but I want to do the work, mm-hmm. right? Because it's, yeah. it's it's intersecting with the work that I'm doing. I'm like, well, yeah. that's another piece that I'm missing. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you you mentioned nothing happens. You don't believe in coincidences, right? Yeah. And you need to yeah. plan. You plan. You sound like a planner. Yeah. So that's one of the things I always like to tell people. I mean, some people, yes, some things do happen by coincidence, but it's your preparation that gets you. To that point, where people all are looking at you to mm-hmm. fulfill a need because they know right. you have the knowledge, the skill set, all that stuff. so that stuff. Some of it is planning. The fact that you happen to be in a situation where people call on you that may be coincidence. Um, yeah, even yeah. that, you know, you can blame networking or something. Right? Else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> there's always there's always a connection somewhere. That, you're there not is. sitting in on, in your house on on the couch and somebody yeah. accidentally calls you, right? right?
1: Right. Uh, so,
0: right. So I think that there is that component. Um, uh, so I mean, just looking at the different paths, and you've mentioned a few people in your life that have uh, talked to you and sort of maneuvered your way to uh, kind of uh, where you are. Um, how do you? How do you? Uh, the the podcast is about mentorship, and uh, you know, um, how how did some of the individuals influence? your life as to where you are, or, you know, you had your friend that, you know, kind of said, told you with the CRNA, uh, you know, your uh, NOLA happened as a, as a necessity, even though it wasn't sort of out of mentorship, but right. it was, it was somebody that you felt there was a need to provide something for um, your grandmother that raised you. Uh, how did, how did, how did those things happen? Do you have formal mentors or do you, um, how does that work for you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I've had along the way a formal mentor, if you will, meaning that someone that I've spoken with about, you know, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? It's, it's, I hate to say say the word formal because formal means that, okay, you're my mentor. I know it. You realize you're my mentor. Let's have these, you know, weekly conversations kind of thing. More
0: contractual.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in case you've maybe not realize it about me. I'm kind of like not a real contractual type person. I'm kind of like, okay, how's this feeling? Yeah, let's shake on it kind of person. Like, okay, your word is your bond, kind of thing. That's how I was raised. So um, you know, this person um has been just pretty instrumental in my life, just just overall. It's Captain James Dickens. He was my sponsor for um F-A-A-N-P. And we've been friends for Gosh, I, we we all we often kid each other. I think it, it's it hasn't been too long, maybe 2006 or seven somewhere in there, where we were both getting an award from AA and P, and we remember it vividly, like it was yesterday. We were there um, at the new um, harbor that that was built on on DC in DC, and, and we were just you know getting an award, and we just. You know how when you have like minds, you just sort of just gravitate and you just always are just kind of there. And he's just been a very strong professional force for me for most of my career. And so he's whenever there's something that comes up, you know, I just always text him or call him and and say, hey, what do you think? What do you think? You know, And, and he just you know, mentors are amazing in that, you know, they get your crazy, your crazy ideas. They get it because, you know, they're, and and I don't mean it, you know, it's crazy as a bad word because it's not in this case, meaning that, they get your chaos and they get how, you know, your brain works and, and how you think about things. And they constantly push you and and, and support you and rally behind you. And, and, and we'll get other supporters if needed. You know, when, when it was time for me to, um, you know, submit for um, FANP for the fellowship, he was so instrumental in helping me find a secondary sponsor and just really, really helping me when I was unable to find additional sponsors, you know, in my area, in my, in my geographic location. He just kind of said, listen, you know, I believe in your body of work and we're going to make this happen. And and that's the, the pivotal role, I believe, of a mentor is that they believe in you and rally behind you when, when you either don't see where it's going or when in some cases, like Margaret Fitzgerald, I, I'm happy to mention her. She's been my mentor for a number of years. And she literally spearheaded me with getting FAAN. When I was going up for you know, the application to become fan, uh, Margaret Fitzgerald was my sponsor. And she literally, and, and I tell this story all the time, whenever I give my keynote speeches, I talk about how fear is paralyzing. And I really became consumed after working for months on the application with her and Dr. Sheldon Fields, who's another mentor, um, working on the application for months, I became consumed with imposter syndrome when it came down to submitting the application. We had been working for about six or eight months and just all of a sudden it was time to submit. And I said, listen, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can do this. I, you know, I made up some type of little excuse about, you know, I think a hurricane or something was coming and I, <laughs> I'm not lying. I'm telling you, I, the scout's honor or whatever. I said, listen, I, and I can't do this. I became consumed with, you know, I'm this little colored girl, you know, from the projects in New Orleans, girl, what are you doing? Do you realize that this is the highest honor you can get as a nurse girl, go sit down. You know, and I was talking to myself, like, girl, you, you ain't gonna be able to do that. You can't do that. Those people don't want you. You know, those things that you, you you try to talk to yourself about. And and listen, at this time when I was applying, I had just been on the Harry Connick show. I had just done like all these monumental things, you know, I had just been like, you know, hanging out with Katie Couric, you know, all, you know, been featured in Forbes, all these places. And I was still like thinking me, there's no way. And so I said, look, I'm not going to be able to do it. And here's the pivotal role, again, of a mentor. They help you when you don't see who you are. And, and in some cases, when you are unable to move because of fear and, and you're letting it paralyze you. Margaret Fitzgerald said, OK, here's the situation. You can say whatever you want to say. You can say you don't have the money, whatever. But I'm submitting and paying for you right now. Period. So you can go over there and say whatever and feel however you want to feel. I'm going to acknowledge that, you know, that your feelings are valid. You know, nurses, your feelings are valid. You know, but, but I'm going to submit and pay for you while you mull this over and go through your feelings. I'm going to act on your behalf because I believe in you and that's the role of the mentor you act on behalf of the mentee when they have somehow lost their vision and desire for wanting to go forward or when they're just too weak because they're paralyzed with fear and and they've sort of become discouraged about the big picture mentors look at the bigger picture and often the bigger picture is beyond you and sometimes it can be overwhelming discouraging and it, it renders you immobile, and that's when true, true mentors step in and move the needle for you, and that's your role.
0: Uh, that's uh, thank you for sharing that. This is, I mean, that that's an amazing uh, piece of uh, uh, piece of knowledge to share, and uh, this is actually the. I want to say the second time that, you know, you've mentioned it's, it's about sponsorship and actually the conversation I just had with Dr. Montalvo, uh, mm-hmm. she said it's mentorship need, is one thing, but it's, just, it's spon- it should really be sponsorship as yeah. individuals that are sponsoring you, that are helping you um, get to the next level or yeah. opening those doors for you. So you yeah. can, they're not doing the work for you, but they're making uh, um, uh, opportunities available it's right. really what's happening yeah. uh, and I think that's where there's the, the value of such a mentor or sponsor uh really comes into play so that's I mean that's uh, amazing that you you have those individuals mm-hmm. in your life and again then didn't, didn't happen accidentally I'm sure yeah. you, you know yeah. uh, uh, there was a lot of work that went in there uh, that you put in and um mm-hmm. uh, the I think imposter systr- in, syndrome or anything else anybody else wants to call it is yeah. is a reality um, it is I think I I struggle with it all the time. Uh, I'm doing that, uh, um, um, like the coronavirus healthcare professionals memorial art, the thing that I'm doing. Oh
1: yeah, that's right. I think that's amazing.
0: Thank you. And and I'm doing and I'm working on this in the garage. And I keep telling my wife every couple of days, I'm like, who wants to look at this? Why yeah. am I? Why am I? I- <laughs> who wants to so that's one of my things is like and then you know I, I come up with these ideas and I'm like yeah this came out really nice but I'm like but who else wants to look at this I'm impressing my you know uh, like yeah. I have these moments for myself where I'm like I'm like this is going to sit in my garage and nobody's going to want to look at it but <laughs> that, that's my thing right now in my head as I've been you know I put in like a good solid like I think 30 hours into it so far but mm. I'm excited mm. to get that out yeah uh so thank you thank you so much um before uh we 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 end our uh, end our conversation uh anything else you want to share and and just before we go i want to make sure uh our listeners know uh links uh to nola your website all those are going to be on my site uh, where the podcast is going to be airing um so uh anything else you want to share with us this has yes. been amazing
1: yeah, just just in, in general. I, I know it, it may sound clichéish, but you know, to all those out there who are dreaming and you're feeling as though you know, just you see no end in sight. You don't, you know, even you see no light at the end of the tunnel. Um, you're never going to see the light at the end of the tunnel, tunnel if you're standing still, right? You've got to walk towards the end of the tunnel, and then the light will eventually be shown. But you you're not going to just you know achieve the dream. This is the other part of it. You know, being immobile. You know, I when I look back on my life and 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 when I talk to students, you know, giving the keynotes, I say, listen, you know, I didn't get here today by being immobile or by just standing in one place and saying, oh, look at me, I have so much to offer, everything's going to come to me. No, you have to be proactive and extremely aggressive about your goals and dreams because they're, they're not just going to you know, come to you. I mean, yeah, we're living in a world now, whereas, oh, it's kind of good to, to, to be black or to have melanin. A lot of people want to buy into everything, unfortunately, because of what happened you know, with George Floyd. But the reality is you have to have something to offer. And you have to show an overall traje- trajectory or as we like to say here in nursing, what's your body of work? Send me your body of work. You know, and, you know, it's just a big old fancy word thing of saying, look, what you got going <laughs> what, what, <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? What, what have you done for me lately? Right. right. <laughs> what have you done in nursing that would make me want to sponsor you for the highest level of fellowship in nursing? What have you done? Show me your trajectory over time. Right. And, and I just think that a lot of people somehow, you know, a little, I I don't want to talk about millennials because I love them dearly, but there's this whole thing about, you know, you know, they, they just feel, you know, like well, people are going to, you know, give them just something and no, it's, you always have to come to the table with something and say, well, this is what I have. This is what I've done over time. And, and, and if, I think if you look back you know, over my career is that's that's what I keep doing. It's like I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna keep doing. I'm gonna keep writing books. I have people who ask me all the time, well, so what's your end goal? What's your who?" And I said, "Honey, I'm gonna write books till Disney calls me." <laughs> I'm gonna write books until Oprah calls me, until you know Netflix, they call me and say, "Listen, you got you know fifty nine thousand books out there, and you I said, listen, I'm gonna keep writing." You know, <laughs> it's it's just so you have to say, "Look, I'm gonna continually move towards my goal," because nobody is is gonna give you anything if you're immobile. You're just standing there. Well, what are you contributing? Contributing is a verb. It's movement. You have to move towards the goal and then you eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel, or if you will, the needle will move towards your overall dream. If, if you move, there's a song, you know, ludicrous. If you move, I move, you know, it's like, well, what? What's going on? you know, there's no movement there. There's, there's no actualization. There's no self-actualization up at the top of the hierarchy. How'd they get there? how you get to the top? We got to have some movement, right? Absolutely. So end of the day, Think of movement, 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 movement towards your dream, towards self-actualization,
0: and it will eventually occur. And, uh, and, and, and you bring up a great point because that's one of the things. <clears throat> I was talking to one of my master's students uh, uh, last semester, and that's one of the topics that kept coming up. She's all like, I think this is my goal, and I get there, I achieve it, and then there's this other goal waiting for me. Uh, so I think that's kind of what you're referring to. It's, mm-hmm. it's continuously uh, this uh, – you don't have to. We, I don't think some of us are ever going to get to the point where we're like we're satisfied, we're done. This no, is it. There's always that next step it level of achievement or level of satisfaction, or how else can I contribute? Uh, because I did this. So what's next on the on the agenda? I think that's uh, that's a great way to look at it. So thank well, you.
1: Yeah, and then, and then too. In ter- in terms of how um, the American Academy of Nursing puts it, and you know when you're applying, you know for the fellowship, their big word is impact. Well, what impact have you made? And and so y- your goal should always be impactful. You know, okay, so you've done something. So why and so what should should be your other question? So why and so what? Okay, so you wrote a book. Okay, is your book published in China? Is it is it translated in Healy, Then why are we talking? Right, you have more of an impact to make, and so that's my thing. It's like, okay, so why and so what? You've done this and done that. Okay, so always think impact, bigger impact, you know, bigger footprint, like Bigfoot. Okay, so think of that. You know, that needs to be your impact. You can't just sit here and say, well, yeah, I did, I got my BSN, and I'm gonna say, okay, why? So what? Who did you help? What community did you help? You know, did you create a program that you know had positive outcomes? And now you've you know taken care of a hundred thousand patients. Okay, talk to me when you get to a hundred thousand. You know, then then we can talk. Now you're ready to be a fan. Right. And so that's what they want to know. It's like, well, how to be a fan? Like, what did you do? mean your body of work then I'll look at your impact right I mean it's just a whole full circle here when you think about it it's all connected like what's your impact how, how have your outcomes been who do you, okay so why and so what it's all linked
0: yep yep definitely definitely i I completely agree um uh, this is uh it's one of the it's one of the things that you know uh just, just starting this podcast a few months ago uh, mm-hmm. it, it was weird because I was like thinking you know, okay, people are some people are gonna listen to it and then the numbers kept going up and up. And uh there's the service I use gives me like the countries that are listening to it. And I'm like, 30, 30 plus countries are listening to it. And I'm uh-huh. like, Hey, that's awesome. There's people from other countries are listening. That's, that's impact. That's impact. <laughs> so, so it was like one of those unexpected things. So you are you're right. I mean, the fact that you do things not thinking. Uh, how impactful they're going to be, and then uh, you see some of those outcomes. And I think, uh, I think that's that's great advice for uh, individuals looking of where they are in their career. Uh, and you know, that's a great way to look at it, is what impact am I making? Uh, and that's where kind of research, practice, things like that, really come into play. That's where mentorship kind of comes into play. If you don't know what impact you're making or how to find out how what kind of impact you're making i think that's where some people who have already been there done that uh can be extremely uh extremely um uh, helpful so thank you so much Uh, i appreciate your time thank you for being here uh with us and sharing your incredible story um uh, I, I, I need to order some of your books just for myself. Yes,
1: yes, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
0: and again, for our listeners, uh, I will have links uh, to Dr. Lawson's uh, books and websites. Um, and uh, I look uh, forward to continuing to uh, uh, look at your career and what you're doing and, and future uh, uh, literature, we'll call them literature, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that they're going to come out with. And hopefully Disney will pick this up and make us into a, awesome. a, a cartoon. It won't be because I'm not
1: writing. It won't be because I'm not writing, because <laughs> I'm writing. And I will be writing and, and hitting publish every time. I don't care. Every quarter. I'm committed. I I'm putting it out. It's coming out. Fantastic. So you yeah, know. Fantastic.
0: <laughs> so I I appreciate you and I appreciate your work. Thank you for giving us your time. Uh, we have been uh, listening to Dr. Shermaine Lawson. Uh, an incredible uh, nurse leader, author, mentor, innovator, businesswoman. Um, mommy, mommy, that, that should be top of the list. That's nope. uh, so thank you so much, and um uh, I wish you a great rest of your week and have a great one. Bye bye. You've been listening to The RN Mentor with your host, Ali Tayeb. Please don't forget to visit www.aliartayip.com. That's www.aliartayip.com for podcast notes and resources. And don't forget to subscribe. Until next time, I wish you fair wins and following seas.